1: We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine.
0: Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 311. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have a lot of current events or current topics to talk about. We are going to talk about Marvel Monday, talk about Shang-Chi. We saw it in theaters. Talk about what if the animated series on Disney+, and then also talk about Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. We went to the annual Passholder Preview this past weekend, so we're going to cover all of that and more.
1: But before we get started, we do want to mention our friend and travel agent sponsor, Hannah Little, with Creating Magic Vacations. She is the perfect person to help you plan your vacation if you're looking to come to Orlando, whether it's Disney or Universal or even go out to Disneyland, book a cruise. She really does it all. She helps you plan everything out, get those hard to find reservations for dining. And then she even creates customized itineraries, which I can speak from experience. It really helped us when we went out to Disneyland, especially if you are trying to get the most out of your vacation. So if you're looking to connect with Hannah, you can connect with her at littlebitofdisney.com or click the link in our show notes to fill out just a quick questionnaire, and then that'll get the planning ball rolling.
0: Like I said in the intro, we have quite a few topics to talk about. We normally try to avoid current events or news or anything like that, but when it comes to ride openings in particular or new movies coming out, hopefully this will be evergreen, so if it's something that you haven't experienced yet, you can come back to these episodes. We are going to try to, and we'll let you know when we're switching back and forth when we're doing spoiler-free and when we are doing spoilers for both the Marvel content and the Remy's Ratatouille adventure
1: I would agree. I think starting with Marvel is a good baseline because we have two different things on our Marvel docket. And for Shang-Chi, hopefully if you saw the title of the episode and you're listening, it's because you've already watched it. If you haven't, you might want to bookmark this for another time.
0: And this is where it gets difficult because some people might just be here for Remy and not Shang-Chi and vice versa. So we will, I don't know. Skip ahead, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess skip ahead. We're kind of painting
0: ourselves into a corner here. How? Just because we're covering two different topics in a month. Some people might be interested in one of them and not the other one. But here we are. We're just doing a recap, getting all of these current events out of the way. Let's start with what if first, if that's okay with you. So we're four episodes in. I think we have a differing opinion on which has been the best episode so far. I guess... My favorite episode was the Doctor Strange one. The most recent one is your favorite episode still T'Challa as Star Lord.
1: Oh yeah, that's my favorite.
0: And so you did not really like episode three or four. Is that what? Am I? Is that correct? My assumption.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I feel like it's no secret that what I gravitate towards most are like the happy you know, feel good kind of stories. And I feel like ultimately Marvel has always done that. The hero is more often than not victorious in the end. I like that kind of story with, of course, the exception of Endgame, where some things do not go according to plan, but I always just hold out hope that everything will work out. I feel like with the what if series, Because they're kind of turning everything on its head and obviously asking the question, well, what if something changed? It's turning out to set up for some pretty sad endings. And that's why I'm not a big fan of episode three or four.
0: And I am viewing them, I guess, a little bit differently where I'm trying to view them as these are launching pads for future stories. Now Where Are
1: they actually?
0: Well, and I guess that's part of the conversation here is what is the overall impact from What If on the MCU or other Disney Plus shows or any things that are happening in the future? And I actually think they are going to use a lot of this stuff. There's too many similarities here between this show, between Loki, between WandaVision, not so much Captain America. Or, or Falcon the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But I think with the other two, they're kind of already preparing you for okay, we did it, you know, in Loki, the deed is done, the multiverse is ripped open. Now how are you, what can we do from here? So I think there's already some similarities between what we can see in the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer about is that really Doctor Strange or not? And that kind of comes back to episode four. I think that if they are going to go the route of that's not really him or the Doctor Strange that we are used to, the Stephen Strange that we've previously known in the MCU, then this gives us an a alternate storyline to fall back onto. But do you? So you,
1: but I don't like this new Stephen Strange.
0: <laughs> well, I he know. was
1: kind of a jerk.
0: But I think. That, Surely, I mean, I guess we're not writing the story for them, but surely our Doctor Strange would come back and take control again.
1: I feel like my biggest question, especially with episode four, you know, it does prove that there are other multiverses out there. Again, we kind of already knew that and we're very much looking forward to that. But he destroyed that multiverse. He's basically in a black hole How is he supposed to get himself out of there? That's why I almost feel like they're just standalone episodes. Like how do you build on to total destruction? Or how do you build on never having the, you know, the superheroes, the Avengers that we know and love, they all died.
0: Well, I, okay. What I'm trying to view it as is more of a big picture type thing. Not particularly that Stephen Strange that's trained for thousands of years and studied for thousands of years to try to get back, what's her name? I can't remember his partner's name now. But it's at least, it's showing us how just the little subtle differences between the different universes can change the character's story arc or change their personality or change what drives them and I'm not necessarily saying that particular Stephen Strange is the one that's in No Way Home. I'm just saying if it's not our MCU Stephen Strange that we've been used to, they're at least showing you why he's different or why he could be acting differently.
1: So maybe I missed this. Where have they shown Stephen Strange in that trailer?
0: In the No Way Home trailer?
1: Yeah. Are
0: you sure you watched it?
1: I. Well, so tell us.
0: When Peter went and said, I need help, I need to go back before, do you need to oh, pause and watch No, no okay, Way?
1: so I know what you're talking about now. So he goes to look for help, but did he act any differently than our Stephen Strange?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, that, and that's a lot of the chatter right now around No Way Home is, is that our Stephen Strange? Is it a scroll? Is it whoever? Because he was so, he wouldn't use the time stone to defeat Thanos. Like, that was his hard, fast rule. Whenever Iron Man was trying to convince him, he's like, no, I've, I've worked out all the probabilities. We have to follow these exact steps, and that's how we defeat Thanos. And you think Spider-Man is just going to walk in, and he'll be like, oh, yeah, Peter, let's do it. Let's cast a spell. We'll go back in time.
1: I mean, a lot has changed since Endgame. So maybe his mindset has changed.
0: I mean potentially and that's one area to think about. I mean that that very much could be true and there could be other things that happened to him before then that that between endgame and no way home that have changed him. But it's he's acting sh- strange pun intended.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And I think just falling back on this story of what if in episode 4 could Potentially give us something to draw from. You know, we saw our MCU Stephen Strange get visited by the Ancient One from her death.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And who's to say that the Ancient One didn't visit other Stephen Stranges and other multiverses, you know? So I think that's just what What If is trying to show us is that there are infinite different multiverses out there all containing these same people and they're all driven different ways
1: so my question to you is do you like this new direction that Marvel is going with all of these different multiverses because I'll be the first one to say I was excited for it and I'm excited still for like the chaos that's going to ensue multiverse of madness and all that stuff but do you think they're almost taking it too far now? Like, is it going to reach a point where it's almost too much?
0: Well, I think there's two storylines where if they play on them too hard, it's people are going to lose interest. I think one is multiverse, if you're just constantly like, oh, that wasn't our guy, that was this other one. People will lose interest pretty fast. The other that, you know, it keeps popping back up as to when this is going to come back around. We know it'll be Secret Invasion Eventually, but they keep hinting that there are scrolls disguised into these characters that we see, so a lot of those theories go around with Nick Fury. Now, you know, you could potentially think that Stephen Strange could be a scroll, and they can't just rely on that too much where it's like, "Oh, this person's acting strange, they're a scroll, they're a scroll, they're a scroll. they're all scrolls. you know
1: that would make me very mad. We've had this conversation before. And I I don't want them to go down that route. They
0: have to use those things very strategically because they're they're all just twists. They're all, you thought this, it's actually this. And, I mean, you hate to bring it back up, but if you go back to WandaVision, that's where they got a twist wrong, I think we would all agree, with Pietro. Oh, yeah. So hopefully they've learned their lesson and they understand that There's lots of ways that they can do a gotcha moment and turn a story on its head, but you have to use them at the right place, the right time. I think it'll be interesting to see at the end of multiverse of madness as to are we back down to one singular timeline? You know, did we expand and now we've contracted back into one so that it's easier for us to all follow or is it ever expanding because I do think it could be very, very, very confusing if they're not careful. Look, I mean, and I'll be the first to admit, I still don't understand the time travel that took place in Infinity War and Endgame. I don't know if anybody really understands you know, how Steve was able to go back and all these different things that took place during that. And... We've kind of all accepted it because Thanos was defeated and we've launched into the next phase. But if they make it too confusing, people will just be like, I don't know where we are anymore, and they'll lose interest.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say is just moving forward, we already know there's going to be another Loki series, It's like a part two, which season two, whatever, which is obviously going to be about the timeline splitting apart. We know we have multiverse of madness and the no way home. All of that seems to deal with a multiverse of sorts. I'm just, I'm a little nervous. Can I keep up is the question.
0: Yeah. And hopefully, and I think, I would think the penultimate would maybe be secret invasion
1: And well, in the Eternals, I feel like even the Eternals could come back to something happened. There was some disruption. I know we haven't talked about Shang-Chi yet, but there could potentially be something there too.
0: Yeah, potentially. So, what if I think it's good as long as you don't take it too seriously? I think I'm. How do you not take it seriously? Well, look at
1: how much time we've invested into this.
0: I know. I guess I'm just trying to view it as that they maybe won't draw directly from these for the MCU, but they're just giving us examples of how things could change in the future.
1: So, have we determined is there going to be one or two more episodes?
0: I think there's six episodes of What If. So, two more.
1: So, two more. The first one, Captain Carter. What were your thoughts on that one?
0: thought it was okay. That was probably my least favorite episode so far. I think the biggest thing, it was basically just the first Avenger retold. Like It, it was pretty much the exact same. Now, But aren't
1: I, all of these, in a sense? Because even if you look at the Star-Lord...
0: I feel like it deviated more so. I mean, there were more things that were so different just because it was T'Challa instead of Peter. And I just felt like the first one didn't deviate enough. For example, in episode two, I mean, who would have predicted that Thanos would have been part of the Ravagers? Like Nobody. Nobody would have predicted that. Whereas in episode one, it was basically just Steve and Peggy flipped and he got an Iron Man-looking suit, which even that I kind of have a problem with because, I mean, that that's Tony invented that. Like, there's no background to say that Howard, like, laid the groundwork for the Iron Man suit. I mean, the arc reactor to a certain extent, but I don't know. That's getting too far into it.
1: So you really liked episode four the best. Yes. Okay.
0: And you liked episode two the best.
1: I mean, how could you not? T'Challa is so likable. And I think that's what made it so interesting to me is that it was such a different perspective of, like, look at all he was able to accomplish working with the Ravengers. You know, his, he still had the same personality, but he was able to unite everyone and make it a better place. And, Keep all of these bad things from happening because it was T'Challa and just everybody likes him. He's a good guy.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed that episode. I just think the Doctor Strange one blew my mind a little bit more as to what's possible.
1: So, do we know who the last two are going to be about?
0: Well, if you based on the Funko Pops, Killmonger is going to be in. Something, And we know that T'Challa shows up at least a little bit more because they told us that he recorded more lines. Uh, Chadwick Boseman recorded more lines. So Episode 2 is not his last appearance as T'Challa. He's at least going to pop up one or two more times. And then Agent Carter is as well. So I'm thinking maybe Episode 5 will be maybe another standalone story. And then 6 could be showing... Kind of the culmination of all these different actions.
1: Like they tie them all back together.
0: Yeah. Or it could be five and six or like a two part thing after Steven Strange destroyed everything. You know, if that's, if they, if you assume that all of these stories have been in the same multiverse line, then maybe they all team up together. You know, T'Challa as Star Lord, Agent Carter, Steve as the. Well, I guess Steve would be old at this point based on that story. But anyway, all these characters that we've picked up along the way, maybe they all come together to defeat Steven or work with Steven to get their world, their universe back open.
1: What have you thought about the Watcher because you've said that you think he's going to show up in the MCU as a as like an actual person.
0: Yeah, so I think he will In the future, not. I think Multiverse of Madness would make the most sense as to when he will pop up, or Loki season two.
1: Is he the timekeeper? The Um, real timekeeper?
0: I don't know because he's very. He's not involved like a timekeeper would be. I mean, like he's
1: not involved that he's always watching.
0: I do like that in episode four, he broke that barrier where he actually spoke to the characters that we were watching. You know he wasn't just a watcher. he He actually got involved and had a conversation. So I think they're going to utilize him more. And I think we need to look it up for sure. But I'm pretty sure he's the actor from Hunger Games, right?
1: He sounds like the same guy. So he I want to say his name was Beatty in like the last two where he was the professor. Who was able to kind of hack his way through the system?
0: He it's played by Jeffrey Wright. Let's look at it and see what looks like him. Yeah, he was in Hunger Games. So, Jeffrey Wright played Beatty. That's correct. Uh, he's in Westworld. We didn't watch that, but I know a lot of other people like it. He's in Rick and Morty for an episode. Uh, so, yeah, same guy, which I really, really liked his character in Hunger Games.
1: He's a peculiar guy.
0: And you can tell, based on just the animation, it looks like him.
1: It Yeah, it, it kind of does.
0: <laughs> so that's why I think he's definitely going to show up in the movies at some point. Or in a TV show. Live action, I guess is what I should say.
1: I think it's interesting that he only intervened when something went very wrong. Yeah. Like, I bet if the good Doctor Strange would have won out then he wouldn't have needed to say anything or not that he intervened because he stated very clearly that he couldn't, but that was the only time that they interacted. So that kind of makes me think that we would see him in like a multiverse of madness.
0: Yeah. Are we good on what if we're 20 minutes in?
1: Yeah. Let's keep going.
0: Shang-Chi. I was so pleasantly surprised by this movie. I thought I was going to like it. And we saw the early reviews we saw everything going in, and I guess, are we going to do, is this spoiler free for a few moments, or are we just going in?
1: Yeah, we. so let's just start with our overall reactions. We can talk about uh, maybe just like the actors and some of the things that we particularly liked that aren't going to spoil like the story or the plot line, and then we can jump into that at the end. Okay. So this is still a safe zone.
0: Safe space. So I thought, uh, honestly, all of the actors I thought were absolutely outstanding. I mean, obviously, Simu Liu did an absolutely outstanding job. I think if you read between the lines in our Raya and the Last Dragon episode, Aquafina got on my nerves a little bit there, but I thought Aquafina was absolutely outstanding. She provided the perfect amount of comedic relief that was needed. I mean, Simu is pretty funny as well. Mm-hmm. But I thought everybody was great. I thought his sister did an excellent job in the movie. His sister played yeah. an excellent role. I I thought the acting and the writing and the action were all just outstanding.
1: Yeah, I think going into it, that was something that we were a little weary of just because Our previous, like you said, our previous opinions on Aquafina were not that she was bad, but I do feel like her roles in the past have portrayed her a certain way. Like I even think about the Crazy Rich Asians. I read the book and then I watched the movie and I hated the movies, but I also don't think that her character in that movie was... I don't know necessarily a good fit for her. I feel like they've always cast her in kind of quirky roles and I think she fits there, but I do think that as Katie, that has got to be her sweet spot because it allowed us to see a different side of her. Like we did get to see the serious parts. We got to see kind of like the good friend aspect where she wasn't just a quirky dragon, Per se. So I think it allowed her to, I don't know, to really play into a new role. And we liked it a lot. I also really liked the Mandarin. So I liked, I don't know, just kind of the depth to his character as well. I wasn't expecting all that because I almost felt bad for him at the end. And we'll get into that later because this is non-spoilers, but I think they gave that character a lot of depth too.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think to kind of round out the non-spoiler portion of this, because I think we have to jump into it after that. I would say if you're on the fence about seeing this, one of my biggest questions always going into it, is it worth seeing something like this? Is what is the impact on this going forward? And again, we're not spoiling at this point. The impact is huge, I think. I think this is a very, very critical piece to the Phase 4 storyline and all the things that they're building on. I think you can already see a lot of things tying together with future movies, with future Disney Plus shows, with just how long these characters are going to be a- around and where we're going to see them. And so uh, the the impact is big. and I And I also think that it's important... Because this is a very, very different genre than a lot of other movies that we've seen Marvel do. This is an origin story, which is nice. We've obviously seen a lot of origin stories in the past. But I don't really think you can compare it too closely to many others. Maybe Doctor Strange to like just some of the action scenes.
1: Well, so let's talk about it. So if you have not seen the movie yet, this might be a good place to pause and come back to. So go watch it. Find your nearest theater, you won't regret it, and then pick back up here.
0: Yeah. Well, one last thing before you go. Go see it in theaters. If you feel safe, if your theater has protocols that are in place, I think this is one that just based the action and the music, I think it is if you watch it at home on Disney Plus, it's not gonna be the same. And it's gonna get spoiled for you. Andrew before yeah, I was gonna say days. and you
1: have to wait forty five days to see it.
0: Yeah. So if you can, I would go see it in the theaters.
1: So when you're talking about his origin story, you are referring to the fact that, and this is something that we even read before going into the movie, that this is more so a story about like self discovery, about he is, Shang-Chi is discovering who he is. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi,
0: yes. We're going to do our best to say it correctly.
1: I know. You have to think it's funny. They mention it in the movie, too, where he's trying to explain how to say his name. We needed that explanation.
0: Shang-Chi.
1: Shang-Chi. But I do think that he is finding out who he is. He's putting all of those pieces from his past together. And, you know, he is the one who takes control of kind of his own destiny. Whereas... You know, in a lot of other superhero movies, that's not the case. Like Spider-Man, he didn't ask to be bitten by a spider. It just happened.
0: Okay, now you're mixing. That's the that's the Tobey Maguire.
1: Well, I guess that's the one that you most recently made me watch.
0: Okay. Yes, but I agree.
1: And I do think it makes this story unique and even relatable. You know, you can kind of leave the theater thinking about not only how does it apply to the MCU, but also just that it was a good portrayal. Like, it was a good story. They did an excellent job writing it.
0: Well, I was been trying to think, and I even thought about during the middle of the movie as to how to put this into words. But I think there's a lot of... The overall story of them saying that both the good and the bad parts of you and your family history and... You know your past actions. You can't change them. You can only hope to be a better person. You know from this point forward. And I do think that is a very very powerful message, especially given today's landscape, where you know there are changes that need to take place in order for us to build the civilization. Like I tried not to let myself go too deep, but I thought this is very very metaphorical and gives a great example of how you know, you can't change the past, but you can become the best version of yourself that you can be both embracing it, not shunning it away, just embracing who you are, what your experiences are in order to move forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to make this connection because it seems childish, but it almost feels like Lion King-esque. Whereas you can't just run from your past, which is what he did at the whole beginning of the movie. He had to kind of face all of those things that he had been running from and then make the connection of, if I can just accept it and move past it and use some of those things to drive me, then obviously it's going to make him a better, more powerful person.
0: Let's talk about action scenes, which I think we're both kind of on the opinion that We like the action scenes, but we both like the dialogue more. Like, that's what keeps us coming back. But these action scenes, I thought, were outstanding. The bus scene was my favorite, probably closely followed by the building scaffolding fight scene. My my stomach was, like, churning watching that because I'm afraid of heights.
1: I know. Well, and even just, like, the part where Katie was falling off the building— And I was just thinking to myself, there's no way. Like, they cannot kill off the best friend. Like, this is not happening. So I was obviously happy that that didn't happen. I even really liked the fight scene between him and his dad because he had already, you know, mentioned to Katie, like, I'm going to kill him. And then to kind of. I don't know, change his mind. Like he recognized like, that's not who I am. This is not how I'm going to fix things. Giving him a second opportunity, really. And then that kind of molds him into who he's going to be. So I liked that one too. Yeah. From like a sentimental point.
0: What did you think about the fight between the great protector and the celestial beast thing that I can't remember its name?
1: Um, I don't know if it was just because we were in a theater and it was so big. It was, there was just a lot going on. Like there was so much happening that it was kind of hard to focus on anything. And I feel like the great protector was circling around and the other big thing. I don't know. It was almost too much. Like I know they were making it dramatic and I know it needed to happen, but it was a lot.
0: I felt like Shang-Chi rode on the back of the great Protector for way too long. That was my only complaint. Is like, get up and do something, dude. And you know, and finally his sister was like, go for it, go do it. And that's when he took action. But there were quite a few scenes where he was just riding in the back, just
1: wee. I don't think that's what he was doing. Yeah, that scene to me was probably my least favorite
0: of the fight scenes. Of the
1: fight scenes. What Just because when, I felt like it was too busy.
0: What about when his mom and dad first met? I thought that one was really cool.
1: I did like that one. And you could already kind of see the writing on the wall of what was going to happen. I don't know if you felt the same way. Yeah. But like you kind of knew, like, oh, he's fallen for this girl.
0: Yeah. And well, and I thought that it was also foreshadowing that you knew that that's the journey that Shang-Chi had to go on, was that he had to embrace kind of both fighting styles, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Both powers, whatever it might be. Kind of to go back to what you were saying about he didn't get bit by a spider, he didn't get exposed to radiation, whatever it might be. That was actually a quote from the director that we read beforehand, is that that's a reason why he wanted to take this story, because he's not special, he's not, you know, he doesn't have any innate abilities, he just had a lot of training and a lot of self-awareness and a lot of self-discovery to make himself and who he was. Now, of course, at the end, he gets these 10 rings and that changes his makeup a little bit. But he's still very powerful beforehand. But I thought well, it was and interesting. he didn't ask for those. Yeah.
1: Like, they weren't given to him. Like, I mean, I guess the universe kind of gave them to him but it was almost like that transfer of power that they foreshadowed at the beginning. Like, these rings are so powerful, they could have been used for good, but instead his dad initially used them for
0: evil. Yeah. So I think it was pretty cool. If you haven't, Marvel published this article about things that you should know before going in to watch Shang-Chi, and we read it. Most of it was not, too beneficial to know before him but the coolest part was hearing the director talk about you know why he wanted to take this story his inspiration and kind of how they it was birthed basically from his life experiences mhm so um you want to talk about the end sure. what it means let's do it so i was interested to see going into this how are they going to pull this back into the mcu Obviously, it's an origin story. We were just kind of conditioned before this with Black Widow that they are not really afraid anymore to do somewhat standalone stories. You know, really the biggest takeaway that we got from Black Widow is that Yelena is here now. You know, she's still active. With this one, I think it has ramifications in a couple of different storylines going on. I think that in the end credit scene where they're talking about this beacon going out, and I'm interested to see what your theory is, I think it's calling to the Eternals. I think it's a direct tie-in because otherwise I can't foresee why the Eternals has to come out in the, way, in the order in which it's doing. You know, Why do both of these need to come out before Spider-Man No Way Home? So I almost think it's setting up Eternals directly.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's what I was kind of foreshadowing earlier, too, when we talked about it, is that because these would be ancient artifacts, I guess, they don't really know where they trace back to. They don't know what they're made out of. And it obviously did just release a celestial being. And in the Eternals preview, it mentioned that that was the only time that they got involved was when something like that was released. And that's why they haven't interfered up until this point. So I'm not sure if the rings are going to continue to call other beings or if it's going to open up, I don't know, like other portals necessarily. Like if that one was in too low, then are there others that are out there that are being guarded or, I don't know, that's kind of what it made me Think And then to be able to see Captain Marvel, who is kind of our celestial protector, space protector. I don't know what you want to call her.
0: Yeah. Why would you say celestial?
1: I don't know. That was just the first (laughs) word that came to mind. (laughs) Oh, okay. She's the space protector. I feel like there's got to be some kind of interesting connection there.
0: Well, I I think to me, I see the most parallels. There's 10 rings. There's 10 Eternals. They're in that movie. If they're all, it kind of seems like in the movie that they're all fighting one beast themselves. So there's 10 beasts, there's 10 Eternals, there's 10 rings. You know, could be a kind of direct correlation. Could be that the rings were created by the Eternals and the Mandarin got them from them somehow.
1: Did it ever say that in the movie how he acquired them? Did he just find them?
0: They said different legends say different things. It said like some people say that he got them from he stole them from a tomb. Okay. Some some legends say that he stole them from somewhere else. Yeah, like, that it was it just say. in
1: the very beginning.
0: Yeah, that's that was a story that his mom was telling. Hmm. So I mean, I guess there's one other thing I want to talk about besides the end before we in this discussion, but I think it's interesting in that final scene. I mean, a, I love Wong. I think he's absolutely hilarious. So I love seeing him pop up in different areas and getting more limelight away from Dr. Strange, but Carol had long hair. So that's different than last time we saw her. Mm -hmm. And Bruce was Bruce. He wasn't Professor Hulk. So his arm was in a sling, and then I saw an actual screenshot. He's actually wearing some sort of, like, bracelet that was glowing somehow, and people think that could be some sort of, like, regulator, making sure that he doesn't turn into Hulk. Mm-hmm. But I wonder when they will answer both of those questions. I think the Marvels or in... Um, She-Hulk? Well, the She-Hulk, I think, will answer Bruce's question. I think they'll answer it either in Miss Marvel or in The Marvels as to why Carol looks different.
1: I mean, do you think it's just a possibility that her hair grew back out?
0: I mean, potentially, but it's a different appearance than we saw in Endgame. So I think it's just worth noting that obviously something has changed, even if it's just time.
1: Are we going to talk about the sister? Yeah. What is her name?
0: Her name in the movie is, so it's X-A-I-L-I-N-G. I -I I think it's Sha Lin. Sha Sha Ling? Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. His sister.
1: What I mean, were you shocked by the fact that she was supposed to go back and shut down the Ten Rings and instead it seemed like she had just turned it into her own... Operation.
0: I was shocked when I saw it in the in credit scene, but then looking back, it's like all the signs were there, you know.
1: But after everything that they had been through, she wants to keep up the same, I guess, organization that she hated.
0: I guess, but do we really know? Like, it's implied that her intent is bad, but we don't know that for sure. She could be doing it to protect Talo. You know, we don't know for certain.
1: I don't know. I feel like sometimes you got to go with your gut here. And it appeared that she did not have great intentions.
0: Personally, I think it'll be a minor plot point going forward. I don't see them expanding on that. But it
1: said the Ten Rings will return. Yeah. So to me, the Ten Rings was the name of that Army.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to return. I'm just saying I don't think she will be like the big bad in Shang-Chi 2 or something. I just think they'll pop up again. They'll be defeated and it'll be over. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't foresee it being a huge thing. You do?
1: I just, why make that the end, end credit scene if there wasn't some sort of long-lasting implication because just like he didn't kill his father, he's definitely not going to do anything to his
0: sister. Now, when And his sister
1: is going to take advantage of that weakness.
0: Now, where my mind went immediately when that end credit scene started and it was only the females, I thought that she got all of the widows.
1: She could have still. Those could have been all the widows.
0: They, did, But there were males there too. When it, as it expanded further out? But I don't know. I think that's a question I'm interested to see if they ever go back to see. Because that happened in the past. So that's where it gets confusing. Is that those widows have been free for years now. Before this movie takes place. But I
1: feel like Marvel always comes back to. Like sometimes that anger doesn't go away. Maybe they still want revenge for being made into widows. Then so why not join with this other girl who's kind of salty and go kick some butt? It's
0: a men's butt. Yeah. I mean, I'm here for it. It'd be really cool if Shaolin and Yelena teamed up and just cracked some skulls. <laughs> like they would be really bad butt. Can't say the real word. You know?
1: Yeah, I'm following
0: I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be mad about that, but I don't know. For some reason, I just don't. I think if we get Shang-Chi 2, she'll be in there with the Ten Rings army, but.
1: You said if. So they haven't announced a Shang-Chi 2? I don't think so. We're just expecting him to show up in other Marvel Universe productions, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, they're obviously not done with him or with Katie. Mm-mm they're both going to pop up again. The other thing I want to talk about was Trevor.
1: Oh my gosh, Trevor.
0: Ben he, Ben Kingsley is absolutely outstanding.
1: I was I don't know. I was not expecting that at all. Did you know that he was going to be such a big character? I mean, cuz they didn't just show him like in the dungeon and then leave him behind. I mean, dude went along for the action.
0: I loved it because he was one of my absolute favorite parts of Iron Man 3. Like, his interactions with Iron Man were pretty hilarious. And then to bring him back, and he still has kind of that same chemistry with our three characters from this movie, I thought it was amazing. We need more Morris. We need Morris to show up again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when are we going to start seeing the Morris uh, plushies?
0: I know, Morris Funko Pops, I thought.
1: Where are they?
0: I mean they hit that pretty well I feel like though.
1: Yeah, like, like I weird... had no
0: idea beforehand that there was going to be a headless chicken thing.
1: <laughs> that acts like a dog. Um yeah, I don't know. I was shocked. I just couldn't believe that he stuck around for so long. I guess to provide that comedic relief because Katie did a good job but like we said her role Was even a little more like multifaceted. Like she was not just there for comedic relief. She's hilarious, but Trevor was there strictly to be funny.
0: I had actually heard a rumor before that Ben Kingsley as Trevor had a small cameo, but that was more than a cameo.
1: Yeah, he had that was a role, he was a character.
0: I think so. I had to remind you in the theater, right, of who that was.
1: No, we talked about it beforehand. Okay. Because, I mean, I think you knew, like you said, that he was going to be there. There was going to be some cameo. I think he even did a good job of explaining himself, though. Like, if you didn't know ahead of time, if you just decided, oh, I'm going to go to the theater today and watch this movie. And you didn't know that there was going to be an Iron Man 3 callback. I feel like he did a good job of reminding everybody, hey, this is who I am. And this is... This is why I'm here
0: I think that we need Trevor to meet Lewis from Ant-Man He's the one who tells the stories oh my And gosh. they both just need to tell Stories to each other
1: Well I mean Trevor is obviously still alive and Kicking so I don't know where he's gonna be next I feel like he's going to be the next Person that just like randomly Keeps showing up I could see that happening
0: I mean, that'd be funny
1: Is just like, oh, you know, he left that fight and now he's living in New York like a street performer. You know, we'll see him again in Spider-Man or something as one of the people in Times Square. That's my prediction. That's the next time we're going to see him.
0: Yeah. I'm here for it. Trevor's awesome. But overall, I thought I'm trying to think about like where I rank this movie. I think it might be in my top five favorite Marvel movies. I think it had humor, it had action, it had wonderful music. It was really everything that I look for out of a superhero movie.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me to give it a definitive ranking. I'd have to go through and like write everything down. That might be a fun exercise, though. But I do think this would rank very highly. I I liked it a lot. I feel like... I always enjoy the Marvel movies just because I think it's something that's fun. But this one did stand out against the others.
0: And I look forward to having uh, both Shang-Chi and Katie in the future. I think they'll both be good in future roles. I'll be interested to see if Katie expands further. You know, does she become something more? Now, I I just thought of something. There's no way. I'm just going to say it anyway. So we know that Kate Bishop is who's taking over as Hawkeye. But it can't be her because they cast Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. I thought for just a split second because the arrows and everything that she could actually be Hawkeye, but maybe... Maybe not. Probably not. Yeah, definitely not. But it was an interesting thought for a split second. Katie, Kate, I could see it. Yeah. Okay, ready to talk about Remy?
1: Let's talk about Remy.
0: So we went to the preview for Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. We, I think years ago, maybe I had watched the ride POV of this attraction in Disneyland Paris. And I always thought, just from you know, hearing people talk about it. I thought it was a pretty good ride. I didn't think it was anything crazy. I think, you know, my impression of most people were like the area is really cool and like the Chez Remy restaurant is really, really cool. And it's a great place to hang out. But the ride itself, it's cute, it's fun. And I think I kind of fall in that same category. I I don't have anything bad to say about it I just don't think it's my jaw wasn't on the floor I do like Ratatouille the movie maybe not as much as other people it seems like I don't know I thought it was good what do you think
1: I think overall it's a good addition to Epcot I think The World Showcase in particular always needs more things for kids just to get them excited to be in those areas. Just looking back on our childhood, it was always kind of an area that we weren't super excited for. And I do think the use of the trackless ride systems, like I'm glad they're integrating that more in the U.S. Like I feel like we're kind of the last to the party as far as having trackless ride vehicles. So it makes it fun. You know, it gives it like a rewritability to where you might get a different perspective and, you know, you might get a different pathway and you might not necessarily know what it is. But I do think overall, like something that we talked about was the story itself was almost a little weak. And because that's something that means a lot to us is can we follow this story? What is the level of immersion? And, you know, the key was fun. It was kind of setting you up for what you were about to do. But it's almost like once you get into the ride vehicle and you get going, all bets are off. And I do think the story itself plays into confusion. Because if you are a rat running around a restaurant, just constantly looking for places to hide... You know, there is an element of chaos there, and I do think the ride kind of embodies that. But it's also like, what what were we doing? Were we just running around the restaurant? Were we trying to collect ingredients for a meal? Were we, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think that's where I'm a little bit confused. I think this is a ride that could really, really benefit from a pre-show or even just kind of like a walkthrough Type pre-show, so spoiler alert, uh, Gusto does talk in the queue, but he doesn't really provide much to the story. He's more just talking. He's
1: entertainment. He's yeah. almost like how I would see Mr. Potato Head in the Midway Mania line. Yeah. Like he's there to give you something to enjoy as you're waiting.
0: Yeah, and I think kind of, I don't know. We've We've been talking about it ever since we wrote it, I still don't fully really understand the story. It's definitely not a retelling of the movie. It definitely takes place, I was going to say afterwards, but I don't even know if that's true.
1: I think they just took a bunch of different scenes and tried to put it into the perspective of you are a rat.
0: Yeah. Now, the forced perspective is really, really cool on this attraction of seeing things that are larger than life, of... You know, it gives you kind of the Toy Story Land vibes of everything is gigantic because you are supposed to be shrunk down to the size of a rat. I think that's really cool. I think where maybe it misses the mark for some things for me, this is just me personally, other people may feel differently, it's just from a technology standpoint, you can tell that this ride was developed and made before Runaway Railway. So you can tell that it existed in Paris a number of years before Mickey and Minnie's started development because Mickey and Minnie's just from a development and, and, or sorry, from a technology standpoint, it's kind of leaps and bounds better, I think. From a ride vehicle's standpoint, from not having to use screens standpoint, um, from the movements that you're able to do in your ride vehicle, I think they're all kind of better in Runaway Railway.
1: And I would agree with that. I was going to say a big pro for me, like you said, the forced perspective I do think is really cool because that provides the level of immersion that you would want. Um, I liked a lot of the details. So I know when you ride, ride, especially for the first time, you're just so focused on what is happening that you're only looking in front of you. But anytime that I found myself looking to the side or even looking up, I feel like there was a lot that is easily missed. Like the screen itself, now we're not huge screen people, but the screen itself is massive. And I found myself in the first couple of scenes just looking in front of me. But then when I would look up, I mean, you can see, you know, the entire character, not just, you know, like their foot or something. And it does give you a good view. You can see just all sorts of things. So I would encourage you that when you ride it, in order to get like the full experience, look, you need to look around and really take in where am I and what's happening besides just I am frantically running.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I'll say this, and we maybe should have said this at the beginning is that we're kind of lukewarm on this. We're more positive than negative on this ride. Mm-hmm. I think there are people who are just like ecstatic about this ride. So, I would just take all of our opinions with a grain of salt because you may feel completely different than us, and that's okay. I think a large factor is how big of a fan of Ratatouille are you, personally, mm-hmm. because I was trying to think about it. Like, I like the movie, but if there was an up ride, you and I wouldn't speak an ill word about it, you know? Because oh, that's our movie. And Ratatouille is that movie for a lot of people, I think. So just seeing... You know, hearing the music and seeing these characters and seeing a whole dedicated ride to these characters is very special to those people. So I think I just wanted to explain a little bit, maybe, why we're not jumping for joy like some other people might be. I thought it was a fun exercise with the people that we rode with, just talking about where would you rank it in terms of Epcot rides and does it make like any of your top Walt Disney World rides?
1: Well, and even how would you rank it with other trackless rides that you've been on? Since it is something different, I do think it's hard to put like Ratatouille in just a dark ride category because I think it's more than that. I also think for me, I could even compare it better to things from like Universal because it does involve the screens and the 3D glasses. We don't see a lot of that at Disney and a lot of people really like that kind of ride, you know, where you're getting that different kind of sensory experience. So I kind of like that.
0: You avoided the question.
1: Was the You were asking me? I <laughs> yeah. thought you were just saying that that was an exercise that you should do. No, I want to hear. You want to hear what I think.
0: Where do you rank it in Epcot?
1: <sighs> okay. It's hard to be a test track or a Soarin'. I do think those are no matter what I think those are still going to be like the staple e-ticket attractions simply because of the size, the speed, just like the grandeur of those rides. I think that's hard to beat um with this just being like a ride as part of a showcase. Um I do think and I'm a huge Frozen fan and I ride uh Frozen Ever After every chance that I get. I do think this is Better than that, I think it is longer. Um, I feel like you get a better—I don't know—overall experience, you know. And I don't know if it is because it's new or if it's because it's it's completely own ride. Not that it's new because it is in Paris, also, but they didn't just repurpose something. So I did enjoy that. Um, what else is it? so?
0: Three Caballeros. spaceship Earth. Three caballeros.
1: Base. I think it has to beat out three caballeros.
0: Is it third or is it fourth? I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: I guess it's third. I guess I would put it third in my ranking.
0: I would put it second. I would say Soren. Soren's number one. Remy's number two.
1: Okay. And it took then a test long, track. Way,
0: long time for you to say that.
1: I didn't know that's what you were looking for. I thought we were having a whole discussion about it. Well, I didn't know you just wanted me to go one, two, three.
0: Well, I I don't know. I then we we're gonna get your full Epcot ranking and
1: Well, that's true. Ultimately I think it's a it's a good addition to Epcot and particularly the world showcase. I think it's really going to help spread people out, especially if you're interested in rides.
0: Well, you mentioned frozen. I think Frozen is who benefits the most from this ride because it's the same target audience. Children? Families.
1: Family. Well, (laughs) children and families, yes. Hopefully
0: not unaccompanied children.
1: Unless I think unless you're seven or above.
0: (laughs) Anyway, I think I think what you'll see is now the boarding groups throw a little bit of a kink into this, maybe as terms as what it does. But I do think it takes a lot of the pressure off of Frozen just from being a family ride based on intellectual property. Recent intellectual property. So that, I think, discounts three caballeros. But in terms of that, same audience, and it's I think it'll take a lot of pressure off Frozen. Hopefully you'll see the wait times for Frozen come down because of that.
1: Do you think that Ratatouille is always going to stay at a um, virtual queue system, or do you think it might drop off as the initial excitement wears off because that is a conversation that we had is that I don't think this ride necessarily needs it.
0: No, I think if runaway railway is not on a boarding group basis, then this one shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. I think it's good that it does it for the first little while. I think they keep it this way until guardians opens. Then guardians becomes the virtual queue ride there. And Remy drops down It'll probably drop down into that pay-per-ride category instead of just normal Genie Plus, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But, again, that's where I think it's very subjective. I don't think it – I would wait 30 minutes to ride Remy if it's a normal standby queue.
1: that we didn't really mention about the queues that I did think was interesting, they have the normal queue, they have a line for the lightning lane. I'm not going to call it fast-pass lane anymore even though that's what it's still labeled as. But then they also had a single rider. Which I lane. think is
0: indicative that they are not going to keep it as a boarding group for forever.
1: Well, I I think it's interesting that they did that for a similar way that they have a single rider on um, Test Track. It seats three people per row. Uh, most families, statistically, yeah, are four people. So that leaves two single person seats per mouse or rat. I guess it's a rat. So I, I do think that's a nice addition that they thought to do that because typically for a dark ride, you don't have even, you know, just the capability of doing a single rider.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, maybe another topic. I don't know if we need to dive into it too much. I do think it's very, very strange to make it rows of three unless they just really wanted it. To be, you know, single rider friendly is just to give it as another option. I would almost have rather just been two and two, just like a normal dark ride type seat.
1: But then if you think about capacity, though, that that really, that limits your capacity.
0: I know. I know. So four and four, six and six, 10 oh and gosh. 10.
1: <laughs> now those are going to be some big rats.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I think overall, it's very good. It's not the craziest thing I've ever been on. I guess the, the other question that we kind of posed was, how does it stack up against other trackless rides? And I, we just do the three in Walt Disney World. I think it's... it's. I'm not even... I will not even entertain a debate that it's better than Rise of Resistance. Rise wow. of Resistance is...
1: Always number one in our Number
0: hearts. one. And then... This is where I think it gets subjective. I think Runaway Railway is a much superior ride to Remy. So I would say it's the third best trackless ride. Would you agree or would you put it in front of Runaway Railway?
1: No, I would agree with that.
0: If you throw in Web Slingers as a trackless ride. I would would
1: say that it's above a web slingers Ooh. now. And I'm just, I'm not speaking like ride itself. I'm speaking of like, what do the cars as a trackless system do? Like, and what does that add to the story? You could have put those web slinger cars, vehicles, whatever you want to call them on a track. And who would know the difference? Literally nobody. Cause you do the same thing no matter what. I think where a trackless system really plays into the, experience of the ride is in something like a runaway railway or here in the Remy's Adventure where it's, it's supposed to be a little random, a little chaotic. You are switching places or positions with the other cars around you, and it keeps it interesting. It allows your experience to be a little different than the person in the next rat, yeah. whereas on Web Slinger, it doesn't matter everyone experiences the exact same thing.
0: Yeah. What do you think as terms of rewritability for Remy?
1: I do think it has a decent rewritability because of what I just said with the trackless system, just getting like the different perspectives. I think, and even from a detail standpoint, I think there's enough to look at to where you can probably write it the first few times. And I'm sure there's things that we even missed. In writing it, you know, the first time where, you know, just the more we go, the more we'll see something that we haven't talked about yet. And I want to hear your opinion, too, on your question.
0: We got to wrap it up after this.
1: What did you think about it being in French for the most part? Don't like it. You don't like it?
0: I don't know. I, I think don't it's wanna-
1: interesting because it's in World Showcase.
0: I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon, and like I... I don't want to sound like I don't value other cultures, because I do. Like I would almost rather be all in French or all in English. I wouldn't instead of the back and forth. I think the back and forth is where I get lost. Because and here's what we talked about, and I need to do more research on this. You can definitely tell it was Patton Oswalt or a Patton Oswalt look alike, voice alike, who's doing the English parts. His voice changes when he's speaking in French. Now, some of that is that the French language has different sounds that have to be made, but I don't think it's Patton Oswald. It, it sounds like a, a different, different tone. tone. Tone, yeah. Tone was what I was going to say. So, I don't know. I, I see it both ways. I see it as like, oh, this is very immersive. It is very authentic. The other part of me... And I hate to say this, and I'm probably going to regret saying this. A lot of things I say on the podcast, I like think about later, like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Um, It seems lazy to me from the Imagineers. Because
1: they just took it from France? Yes. Or from Paris without changing it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's really tough because... That, I hate to be cynical like that. Like I try to be very optimistic, but the cynical part of me just says like, oh yeah, it's just because they already had it they had already had the soundtrack built and they just kept the same one.
1: Which you know, Disney loves to repurpose things. We've seen that time and time again with our storytelling series where, hey, if you can redo it or reuse it, it saves money and it would save money.
0: Well, I don't know. So what how do you feel about it?
1: I I think its redeeming quality is the fact that it is in the France pavilion and they do try to keep things you know culturally culturally appropriate so having it in French fits that idea but I do agree like it took me a second to realize that they're going back and forth like they'll say something in French first and then obviously because most Americans who are going to be riding this ride do not speak French unless you're like us and took it randomly in high school. You're not going to understand the dialogue, so then someone, in most cases, Linguini, would say something in English to just, I guess, keep you up with the story.
0: Yeah, I mean, my other part of it is they don't speak French in the movie. You know, besides the... Au revoir, bonjour mm-hmm. you know we oui. oui, your your typical French words that most people know from the French language they're actually speaking real French in this one yes, and uh, I don't know my opinion on this may change over time, but for the time being, i' not a big fan of it i I know people are going to be annoyed with me.
1: So what I already forgot now. What was the other question that you asked me that you were supposed to answer now? I got us off track.
0: Well, I answered that it's my second favorite ride in Epcot. Trackless rides, I think it's third best in Walt Disney World. And then I was just I was just asking, does it make it into your top rides in Walt Disney World?
1: Oh, no. And because that's a hard that's a hard list to crack. You gotta be something extraordinary. And although I do like the ride just fine. Um, like it's one where I'm excited to be able to ride it with our niece eventually. Like you said, it's a good family ride. I think it's cute and I think it's enjoyable for everybody, but that's not enough for me to make it a best favorite ride.
0: Yeah. I would agree. But I do think it's it's worthy of being an Epcot. Yes. So I'm not mad that it's there. Just not gonna be something that I like bust down the gates for when do you, if we have an Epcot reservation coming up, will you try to get a boarding group for it?
1: Um, so to me, it, it kind of falls into the same category that we even do with rides of the resistance. Like there are plenty of times where we go to that park and we don't even try for a boarding pass. You know, it's not something that I feel like we have to ride every time, because that's not how we feel about most rides when we visit anymore. You know, there is not anything that we ever feel like we have to do. So I think while it's new, I'll probably try to get a boarding pass every once in a while. But I'm not going to ever lose sleep over not getting one. Especially since, I don't know, sometimes you feel guilty for taking a boarding pass from like a family from out of town who really wants to do there,
0: it. That is one of the weird trade offs of being a, a local. A lot of times you do kind of feel guilty about doing things like that because mm-hmm. you hear all the families who that's the one thing they want to do and they don't get to. It's almost like, oh, I'll just hold out. but
1: And every once in a while though, we do feel like, Oh, I really want to do rides of resistance today. So if it's a weekend, we will wake up, we'll do the whole thing. We'll get a pass or a boarding group, I should say, but not always. And I think Ratatouille will be the same thing.
0: Uh, Last thing, we did not get to experience the creperie. It was closed by the time we went. So that's something I'm super excited to try. Now, we thought there was going to be coffee there. I
1: still think there has to be some sort of coffee there.
0: I don't think there's coffee there. It's a
1: crepe place.
0: I hope they have coffee.
1: I'm going to hold out
0: hope. But we will report back as soon as we get to try that. Any other thoughts before we wrap up this hour and 10-minute long episode?
1: Oh, my gosh. No. I mean, I just think overall there's a lot of exciting things going on. We've already said it once, but if you don't have plans to see Shang-Chi, you need to make plans. Um, Like Brendan said, obviously only if you're comfortable going to theaters. But... It's totally worth it to see it on the big screen. It was amazing, and I don't know if I would want to wait 45 days to see it, because it's that good. It really is.
0: And our friend uh, Karina from Faith Trust and Beignet Dust had a good... She was not ready to go to the movie theater, but to support the movie and to support the actors, she actually bought a ticket and didn't even go. Oh. So that is a nice way, if you have the extra income, you can do that, because... I saw the latest projections as they were supposed to make $100 million this opening weekend, which is a good start. International money should come in soon. It would be really, really great if they could get this back to billion-dollar movies. Again, because Kevin Feige has already kind of hinted that if things don't pick up in the movie theater soon and they can't make their money there, they might slow down production. And none of us which want is that. is
1: terrifying. Yeah. Oh my God. We might have to go buy a second ticket.
0: I would do it actually.
1: I, yeah, if that was, (laughs) is that sad? (laughs) We're such nerds that we, oh my gosh.
0: And if you tweet uh, Simu Liu, he might even retweet you because he's been very active and very uh, trying to promote this movie. He's very proud of it, rightfully so.
1: Oh, yeah. How fun. And if you're looking for a different way to connect with him or if you want to just see him in a different, I guess, outlet, we watched on YouTube, what was it called, with Dish Granted.
0: And we didn't think of that. That was from a friend Josie, so shout-out to her.
1: It was It was really cool. So you can get to know him there also if you're just interested in learning more about Simu.
0: Yep, just search on YouTube, Dish Granted. And he's like the third or fourth most recent Mm -hmm. episode. Very, very cool. He's a cool guy. Yep. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you're starting that planning process, reach out to our friend Hannah Little with Creating Magic Vacations. Reach her at littlebitofdisney.com or click the link down in the show notes and it'll take you directly there. Put in some of that basic information of what you are looking to plan and Hannah will get the ball rolling and get you all set up and ready to go. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will chat with you on Thursday.
1: Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show.
0: Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com.
1: We appreciate you letting us be part of your day.
0: See you real soon.